0: Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at Forum.com.
1: This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Tuesday, May 9th in Hong Kong. Monday, May 8th in New York. And coming up today.
2: Traders analyze Fed policy after the survey of loan officers shows signs of credit tightening. Apple is said to be selling five and a quarter billion dollars of debt in five parts. And China has kicked off an anti-spy campaign targeting violations at consulting firms.
3: Singapore's government taking first steps toward policing online content. Meeting between China's foreign ministry and U.S. ambassador to China. Mitch McConnell says he has no secret plan to end and the debt ceiling standoff. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business
2: app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Doug Krisner.
1: And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. U.S. banks reported tighter lending standards and weaker demand for loans in the first quarter. Now, that's according to the Fed's senior loan officer opinion survey. We heard earlier from Bloomberg's Herman Chan.
4: Credit is tightening across the board, across all loan types, so commercial, commercial real estate, consumer. uh, Banks are increasing um, spreads, uh, being more uh, cautious in terms of what loans they're putting on their balance sheet. And it just confirms, the, the, the report just confirms what we expected heading into the report.
1: The Fed survey showed banks cited a lower risk tolerance, a dimmer economic outlook, and worsening industry problems as their main reasons for tightening credit. The collapse of four U.S. regional banks since March has increased concerns, among other firms, that lenders will rein in access to credit. The study showed that the share of banks reporting weaker demand for loans rose to 55.6 percent, and that was in the first quarter. It was the highest since 2009, back during the global financial crisis. so worrisome, the Fed warned in its financial stability report that bank concerns about slower growth could lead them to make fewer loans, accelerating an economic downturn. The report said that the bank funding remains relatively stable on the whole, although it highlighted numerous liquidity risks in other corners of financial markets.
2: And then there is the issue of the debt limit here in the U.S. Today we heard from the head of the Chicago Fed, Austin Goolsbee. He was saying a protracted showdown over the debt ceiling will make the Fed's Job much more difficult. Here's Goolsby speaking in an interview with Yahoo Finance. The argument about the debt ceiling comes at the worst possible time. We're trying to figure out what is a very strange business cycle coming out of the pandemic, weighing off against the tightening that's coming from these bank failures and uncertainty. And to add on to it, this uncertainty about whether the government is going to pay its bills. It, It just makes it extremely difficult to figure out what will be the the conditions for economic growth in the job market. Austin Goolsbee there, the head of the Chicago Fed. Now, Treasury Secretary Yellen has said the United States could run out of funds to keep paying its bills on time as early as June 1st. To get back to Goolsbee, he said a potential default could lead to a severe drop in consumer confidence. That in turn would add to stress in the financial sector, and then it would push up interest rates as well. So he is calling on lawmakers to get a deal done. Now, tomorrow, President Biden will host House Speaker McCarthy and other congressional leaders at the White House to discuss raising the ceiling. Brian. Well, Apple is selling
1: debt in the blue chip bond market. We're hearing that the company is selling bonds in a five part deal, five and a quarter billion dollars. that was originally targeted at about five billion. The longest portion, a 30 year bond, will yield 108 basis points over treasuries. And this debt sale comes as a flood of borrowers raise cash ahead of key inflation readings later in the week. We heard from Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow.
4: I guess the point is borrow money
5: because you can not because you need to, right? And Apple is in this enviable position, as well as this idea that there's some sign of stabilisation in the corporate debt market. Apple's not the first mega cap. Meta tapped the market last week.
1: Dealers surveyed by Bloomberg are expecting 30 to 35 billion dollars of U.S. high-grade bond sales this week. Proceeds from Apple sale will be used for general corporate purposes. We're told that that could include stock repurchases, dividend payments, and working capital.
2: Well, China has reportedly kicked off a new anti-spy campaign targeting consulting firms. The state security agency in Shuzhou is said to have visited the local branch of the consulting firm CapVision. This news first broke on a TV channel in Jiangsu province. The report said employees at CapVision were questioned and some items were searched and seized. Now, CapVision also has headquarters in New York and Shanghai. The state broadcaster CCTV also weighed in, saying that consulting firms had ignored national security risk and had illegally acquired sensitive data. Another key firm is said to be targeted. That would be the U.S. consultancy Bain & Company.
1: Well, China's trade data for April may actually look stronger than the reality due to a low base from last year. We get the story from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong.
6: A Bloomberg survey suggests exports will show a gain of 8 percent, down from the 14.8 percent gain in March. Bloomberg Economics expects exports to rise even more at a 12 percent pace for the month, and a low base of comparison will likely be the driving factor. Economists expect a year-on-year decline in imports that is likely to narrow to 0.3 percent from 1.4 percent in March. The trade surplus is likely to narrow to $82 billion from around $88 billion. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong. Bloomberg Day Brick I'm
1: Brian Curtis, along with Doug Krisner, and our colleague uh, Rish Salana will join us uh, in a few moments here. So a lot of obvious talking points this morning, uh, Doug, with obviously uh, the Apple debt sale, uh, talking about the Fed, and comments from Austin Goolsby there, and, and the SLU survey. Uh, I wonder whether or not uh, new themes will be coming into the markets, uh, having to do with not only the providers of AI, but also the recipients and in other words can you justify higher valuations in looking at the companies that will actually benefit from ai so they're not actually uh, making making the provisions of it to other companies but they're receiving it and then on the in the same token might some uh, people be looking to sell the companies that don't benefit from ai just a, a few more themes and and questions we can put to our guests
2: it's very interesting that you say that brian because after the bell uh, we heard from palantir technologies and the company described demand for its new artificial intelligence products as without precedent. It went on to say it's currently negotiating terms and pricing for access to its platform. And I thought this is very interesting. The CEO, Alex Karp, was warning that the risks prevented by the latest and most advanced forms of generative AI are real. And he went on to say that Palantir has designed its systems with privacy and human safety at the forefront.
1: Yeah, it's definitely one. One of the themes. And it's interesting because right now it's, it's difficult to make a call between the Bulls and the Bears, and they're struggling it out a little bit. We have Shi Chao coming up, a financial advisor at UBS that we can put that to. And you probably noticed, uh, uh, as I did, that Goldman Sachs has joined Barclays now in betting against Fed cuts this year. So this is something that uh, you know is good fodder for our guests today.
2: I, You're absolutely right. I was thinking the same thing. Swaps contracts right now imply that there is still, this is kind of interesting, and Goldman and and barclays as you mentioned are pushing back on this the swaps market is still pricing a policy rate that's about 70 basis points lower than where we currently are by the end of the year
1: it's just so interesting that it's the market that is i guess you can say more bullish or perhaps it's because they are more bearish about the economy that they're calling for cuts and the fed is not all right it is time now for global news Singapore's government taking the first steps towards sweeping powers to uh, police so that they can monitor online content and apps. Ed Baxter has global news in San Francisco. Ed.
3: Yeah, Brian, it says codifying a new internet safety law that would further control what it calls malicious cyber activity called the Online Criminal Harms Bill. First reading in Parliament aimed at cracking down and illicit activities like scams, they say misinformation, cybercrime, drug trafficking, and the spread of exploitive images. It is not expected to get much opposition as it flies through. FTC is proposing revising agreements with Meta in the U.S. regarding monetizing data collected on youth. It claims that Meta is violating a 2020 agreement that gives it the right to review it. Bloomberg's Emily Birnbaum says Meta feels the FTC is biased against it.
6: They are going too far in banning them from monetizing children's data, um, putting all these new restrictions that would force them to submit to privacy reviews before they launch any new products.
3: Now, Emily says the FTC says it has to protect children. Meta says it's going to court. Meanwhile, Meta meanwhile says it will end news content on Facebook and Instagram in Canada if lawmakers pass legislation to force media publishers to feature their work. China is going to limit data availability to the outside world. Wall Street Journal reporting this comes as a number of research reports show
5: a limit is in place. Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow. Well, the move is expected to make it harder to analyze what's going on inside China. take t- tensions between Beijing and Washington.
3: So more, one more step between the two in conflict. And the high-level meeting between China's foreign minister, Gong and U.S. Ambassador Nicholas Burns, a signal Beijing may soon allow more senior-level discussions, but the chair of the House China Committee, Congressman Mike Gallagher on uh, Bloomberg's balance of power says, well, he's not optimistic that anything can be done at that level. It's The CCP who
1: is threatening peace and stability in the status quo across the Taiwan Strait. And of course, it's the CCP which continues to seal our intellectual property theft and c- commit genocide.
3: And Gallagher on Bloomberg's balance of power says that China will need to back off its aggressive behavior toward Taiwan. And China's finance ministry has postponed a meeting scheduled for tomorrow between it and Germany. Short notice, China claims scheduling reasons. The major summit on the debt ceiling in the U.S. is on for tomorrow. President Joe Biden and congressional leaders, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell will, in an interview with Bloomberg, says he has no secret plan. Bloomberg's Marie Hordern quotes him here.
0: There is no secret. plan I have to get us through this because many people thought potentially Biden would be able to see eye to eye with McConnell. They've done debt ceiling deals in the past and he's saying no, this is really for the Speaker of the House and the President of the United States to negotiate.
3: It is set for tomorrow afternoon, Wall Street time. Global news powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter and this is Bloomberg.
0: Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American
4: Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com.
1: Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC
6: and NYSE.
1: And I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong, along with Rashad Salamat. Our guest is Shi Chiao, financial advisor and managing director at UBS. Xi Chao, if you're looking at the SP 500, we're currently at 41.38 on the close today. Uh, can you see, say, 44 or 4500 as more likely, or more like 37 or 3800 over the next six months?
6: Well, we feel like the current markets are uh, pricing in a lot of opti- optimism. So um, we are more targeting around 3900 for, for 4,000 towards the year end, Um, there's still uh, some risk factors uh, present in the economy, particularly uh, tighter financial conditions, declining corporate earnings, and relatively high valuations all present risks. Uh, But it it is very great to see how well the economy is staying uh, strong, the markets are staying strong, um, but almost pricing in a, a perfect outcome for the U.S. economy right now.
5: Yeah, I mean, it does seem as though we've got, uh, you know, the perfect storm, if you like, uh, in front of us, as well as actually the market's pricing in uh, perfection. If you look at the bond market, what do you make of what the difference is between what the equity market is saying and what the fixed income market is saying?
6: Well, the fixed income of government bond markets are relatively stable in April. And of course, uh, if you're looking at uh, equities, it has been, you know, very strong. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of the outlook is still going to depend on uh, Fed policy, uh, even though Fed is opening the door to pausing rate hiking, uh, the rate hiking cycle. But a lot of that is still going to depend on data and the pace of the actual pausing or when rate hikes may, may actually take place.
1: We talk to a lot of people on the program about say twelve to fifteen every day, and they tilt bearish uh, for many of the reasons that you outline. When we look at the actual market performance, particularly for risk assets, um, we're constantly getting at the question of why are they performing the way they are. And for instance, you're seeing people accepting higher valuations in staple companies. So if you look at McDonald's and Procter and Gamble and Coke and all those companies, they're trading at like eight, 28 times earnings and so the question becomes uh, why is that happening are there reasons for it I mentioned just for fun at the top of the hour that AI uh, might be used as a, a kind of prod for understanding higher valuations and that companies are looking at ways to get a lot more intelligence uh, into their operating procedures so do you think about that do you think about these higher valuations and try to justify them
6: Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, we try to justify them every day. Valuation: the equity market is not just uh, in in the more value oriented companies you mentioned, but just in the mar- equity market in general are pricing in very rosy for an outcome. Um, you know, an outcome for the economy. The S and P is actually trading roughly around eighteen point eight times forward earnings right now over the last twelve months. So that's a sixteen percent premium to the ten year average. So um, I mean, a lot of the the higher uh, valuation is due to the better macroeconomic t- condition we, we we have, but I think because of the tighter financial conditions and some of the declining corporate re- earnings, and we are you know going into a possible recession, uh, you know the, the valuation could come down a bit uh, going into year end.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I mean you know we saw that non-farm Peru report and it did show employment solid and not not really consistent with any real deep recession but something has changed and not for the better and the banking crisis is going to have an important impact on the economy even if it doesn't threaten the financial system now credit is definitely going to get tighter that's going to create more headwinds for the economy and that's not good for a stock market that is still historically quite expensive.
6: Right exactly I mean you're absolutely right I mean these are a lot of, I mean, the banking crisis was actually kind of a surprise to the economy. I mean, uh, you know, we, we didn't expect that it was going to present as much of a problem, but it did prove to be pretty resilient and uh, the economy is looking, uh, over it and the, the markets are trading a little bit better now. But I think the risks are still there. And, uh, with a potential recession, um, you know, we we are, our outlook for the S&P is not as high. Um, and it probably will be relatively stable uh, going into the rest of the year.
1: So the notes are sometimes pretty terse. So uh, you're talking about buying quality bonds. Are you talking about sovereigns there or are there areas of credit you like?
6: Uh, we we actually right now like uh, more of the investment grade, the, defense, the defensive sector of bonds. Uh, so, uh, we, we, you know, I think the valuations are good there. Plus, you know. The current uh, is a better risk reward if you're comparing bond to equities, if, uh, comparing bond to just the overall equities of the U.S. equity markets. But we plan to stay in the safer, the more defensive, the more investment grade uh, part of fixed income.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you're looking at uh, being very defensive equity wise as well. I mean, I think that you prefer, at uh, least prefer to consumer discretionary financials and information technology. So what do you like? I'm obviously, consumer staples would be the obvious one
6: right so consumer stables utilities industrials those are still some of our favorite areas and i think just diversifying beyond the u.s and growth stocks uh you know emerging markets uh china reopening it's actually now more reopening and recovery so that will lead growth there and surrounding emerging markets australia so looking beyond the u.s um are are some of our actual uh, uh, better markets that we like at this point
1: I think there's a little bit of a myth out there that China has run to the upside uh, on the reopening. Actually, April was a pretty rough month. The CSI 300 now year to date is up four uh, percent compared to, say, seven and three quarters for the S&P 500. Uh, so people are still playing the long side for China stocks, but it has been a little bit of a bumpy ride. Does that concern you? And how do you hedge against it?
6: Absolutely. I mean, uh, China uh, is always concerning. Um, you know, there's a lot of geopolitical tensions, uh, just, you know, stuff that we can't really control. But, uh, you know, China is coming out of this uh, pandemic uh, and, you know, pretty well going into the reopening and now in a recovery phase. We feel the China uh, economic cycle is is going to grow. And is, it, we expect about 5.7 percent growth this year. Um, and a lot of that a lot of the growth actually will probably be led by Chinese consumer durables and services. Um, and that includes industrials, transportation, capital goods, materials, um, and and digital economy. All these sectors are going to stand to benefit from the reopening and the recovery of China.
5: Uh, so as, as a wealth manager, you know, what is the sort of uh, uh, the questions you're getting from uh, a lot of your clients now? Which is, which is the most important thing on their minds?
6: I think... Um, still a lot of investors are sitting on the sidelines with cash. It's hard to, you know, not want to be in cash because rates are high right now. Uh, if you're parking cash in a bank or if you're getting T-bills. But, you know, investors want to get vested. But I think there's still a lot of caution just because of the uncertainties that I, I mentioned in the, in the beginning. Um, and also we still Don't have that confidence of when the Fed might pause okay, or start cutting rates. So I think until we have a more stable macroeconomic condition, investors are not going to fully invest um, or fully feel uh, secure enough to invest directly or completely into the equity market. So I still think there's, there's that caution there.
1: Yeah, time to be cautious still. Okay, Xi Chao, thank you very much for joining us. Xi Chao, financial advisor, managing director at UBS.